Welcome to the Raptors show on Sportsnet 590. The fan a reminder we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. I am your host, William Liu, and because this is Tuesday, I am joined by Blake Murphy. Blake Murphy. You get new graphics? Did we get new graphics? I don't know. The blue and yellow looks new. Maybe yeah. I just haven't paid that much attention to it. Damn. I, I can't tell if I'm getting confirmed or getting waved up. Same ones. Okay. I just haven't looked up. Mm. You, they tell us not to look up at the screen because then we're looking up at the camera. Oh, yeah. But then we're looking away from the camera. So nah, I, guess I, I guess I've been doing a good job of that. You have been doing a good job of that. Me and Alex, literally, when we're here all the time, we are looking in in an off direction away from the camera because there is a TV slightly to the right of the camera in which, uh, yeah, this is being broadcast to YouTube and to uh, to television. So to everyone watching, hello. Blake, not a lot of Raptors news. We'll get to actually some Canada basketball news, some mm-hmm. CEBL news. Some, that's CEBL uh, news, Raptors adjacent at least. That's right. That's right. I know Alex will be tuning in to, to hear the latest in uh, the saga of Jalen Harris. But uh, in the meantime, though, I actually wanted to start off by talking about the conference finals. Man, a little underwhelming. What's your what's your impression so far of Heat Celtics and also Warriors Mavericks? My impression is that the only good playoff series of the last like four years involved the Raptors. So the NBA should put the fix in mm. to bump the Raptors further and further in the postseason each year. Like that Dallas bubble series, the Philly and Milwaukee series, even that Philly series this year was pretty... I know there are a couple blowouts in there, but it, it wasn't bad compared to some of what we're getting now. I mean, look, this is not what the league wants. This is not great that there have been a lot of blowouts and stuff. Yep. I think in the case of Miami and Boston, it's maybe a little more expected because Miami's old and some nights they're just not going to have it. And uh, Boston all season has kind of been Jekyll and Heidi where like they started they started the season and they were killing all the bad teams and losing to all the good teams. And then mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. switched a little bit when they flipped the gear and they've been a little up and down anyway. And Miami's just like Jimmy and Kyle just don't have it. Some nights, uh, Kyle walking around like a skeleton, uh, right now. Not great. Yeah. Jimmy Butler looked kind of checked out in the first quarter last night. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe those guys just know when it's a night, they don't have it. The golden state Dallas one's been a little bit more surprising just cause like, yeah. What, what more? Can no, it's you... good basketball. That it, one's good basketball. It it's just it's a series. It's not is... a competitive series. Yeah. Like we're gonna we're gonna have a week here where we get an off night every second night, and uh, then you know the finals are gonna have all those extra off days built in uh, to make sure you know Draymond and Clay and Steph can can hobble around. But yeah, that that series has at least been fun basketball. It's just man, if Lucas put up eighty two over two games and you can't beat the Warriors. <gasps> Yeah, I don't know what's left to try. I, I do feel for them in a way. Okay, look, let's start with Heat Celtics because um, series tied two two, um, very uneventful two two. It feels like I mean not uneventful. I guess it's just like it's not as enjoyable when you see the start of the game and it's eighteen to one um, for Boston, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, I've watched Cavs Raptors before. Uh, I don't need to see playoff games like that. Yeah, it's tough. Um, poor Kyle. He's he's involved in a lot of these. Um, even yeah. like game. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, even no. game three, which ends up being close on paper and has that crazy finish, yeah. was like it was a blowout for half the game, and then it's like, well, Jimmy Butler left, and then Tatum left, and then Tatum's back, and and then Marcus was like screaming, and it looked like, oh my god, this is like one of those horrific injuries, and then he comes back out the tunnel after two. What do they have in the back in the Boston Garden? I don't know. A bathroom for Paul Pierce? Yeah, a bathroom for Paul Pierce for sure. 
a little bike for Kyle. Uh huh. I know he's been running back there after his shifts to get it. But this yeah. is, it's tough, man. Jimmy Butler and Kyle and obviously a number of other Heat have been in and out. And mm-hmm. Tyler Hero is now hurt on top of that. Duncan Robinson, his pride is hurt. Yeah. I would imagine not being able to play. And then Boston has had Smart and Robert Williams in and out of the lineup. And even I think it was Tatum who has a, like a nerve impingement yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah, like a stinger going on. Yeah. It, it's not something that's going to keep you out of a playoff game. But honestly, I think that this is probably just the nature of you're in the conference finals and it's our third playoff run in a s- smaller two-year window. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just kind of the war of attrition style that we're, we've got to get used to. Like think, think back to this time in the Raptors championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that Milwaukee series and Kawhi obviously led them a lot in that series, but Kawhi like couldn't walk at the end of some of those. Oh games. my God. Yeah. He was limping around the knee. Yeah. Danny green looked like he was riding cattle. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where you got to have some depth to come off the bench and pop. You know, obviously, Norm did that for the Raptors in games three and four in that series. Fred had a baby and, and and <laughs> you know, became Fred Van Vliet at that point onward. And, um, you know, you also had Pascal, obviously, as a secondary scoring guy. Like, obviously, Serge and Mark can give you a little bit of scoring. Kyle can give you a little scoring. You can balance that out. Um, more importantly, though, you could you had two-way players who were able to at least maintain the defensive um, level without – let, let's say they weren't scoring a ton, whatever. But at least they can all defend on that team. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at the Heat team right now, obviously I know that a lot of them are banged up. It's a lot of one-way guys. Can we get to five two-way players for the Heat right now in their current condition? Because honestly, even for me, Kyle is like... I don't know if Kyle's a one-way player right yeah, now. Like, yeah. he looks... And I, I all the respect in the world for of him course, going out there yeah, and yeah. obviously trying to do it. But, like, when was the last time you saw Kyle have a minus that big in a playoff game? Like, even when the Raptors were bad in the playoffs, the whole thing was like Kyle's minutes are always yeah. closer to competitive, if at, not at, at least positive. He lead, at least he would lead, lead a fake comeback. Yeah, exactly. There's not even a fake comeback these days. It's 18-1 and the game was over. The so, game was over after six minutes. Yeah. Like, look at what you're looking at in terms of minutes for the Heat in this series. So, Bam's at the top, mm-hmm. and I thought Bam's had a really uninspiring series offensively. Yeah, obviously he had that one explosion in game three, but... Very easy for him to be countered, Four, I, I thought. 14 yeah. points per game, hasn't hit a three, only has 11 assists, which they need more of him from him in that regard, especially with yeah. Kyle out. Like, you got to sure. be working the DHO stuff, the two-man game uh, stuff. And I know Hero and, and Duncan Robinson playing less takes some of that away. but They got they, Struess, they got Vincent, they got Oladipo. Yeah. There's no reason you couldn't run those same Also, things. like, you're the the guy for this team. They just need a little bit more from you. It's yeah. okay to say that. Exactly. Um yeah. Jimmy Butler obviously the closest thing they have to a true two-way guy. You know, PJ Tucker's not really giving you anything offensively at this point. He shoots threes, but he's taken fewer than 3 attempts per game. He's a one-way guy right now. And, yeah. and he's like I don't know how closely you've watched him like at whistles and stuff. He looks like he's struggling to get corner to corner. Yeah. At some of these breaks and plays. And then yeah, you're into the yeah. Struce Vincent Oladipo, Hero, Robinson category where maybe Struess and Vincent end up being what what we'll call two-way players eventually, but I think Vincent's the only one of those guys who's really a two-way guy. Yeah. And, you know, Oladipo has defended at times in the past, but even he's shooting 32% in this series because they need him to take bad shots because there's no one else that they can trust defensively and offensively. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation to... And again, obviously mm-hmm. the bar here is exceptionally high. Those guys were fine as two-way players in the first round of the playoffs, in the second round of the playoffs. It, and this isn't to say those are bad players. The Miami Heat are a bad team. It's just the bar gets really, really high when you get to the conference finals. This Nets team has already beat two pretty good... Or this Celtics team has already beat two pretty good teams. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing with the Celtics too. Is like this is why people rate them so highly. It's like the the fact that they do have so many two way guys to rely on. Um, you know, they they have some one way guys that they bring in. Like I think Derek White is mostly in for his defense. Payne Pritchard is mostly in for you know uh, him splashing on like two three threes. Yeah, the freestyle raps at timeouts. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. mom spaghetti, and then and it's over. But like you know, that's it. Everyone else is like, oh, I guess Rob Williams. Eh, no, actually, I would say I would say he's a two way guy. Yeah, like, you know, you're. I agree with that. He made, he made all defense, and then you know he's not going to create for himself a lot, but he can pass a little bit, and his rim running threat is that's like true, that's some yeah. vertical spacing that they benefit from a lot. Yeah, and honestly, he was he was good on the boards as well. Um, and getting a couple of putbacks that way. So that's the thing with the Celtics. They have so many two-way guys. Now, of course, like, my question is really just, like, how was the series 2-2? Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's that's It feels a, like a miracle. That's I don't a know. very good question. And it really, I would say, based on the way Game 3 went, that should be 3-1 because Boston came all the way back in that one. Yes. And then, like, you expect in a playoff game, the moment, like, I know you can run out of gas, but you can't come back that much and then lose. Like it's just it's yeah, uh it an a very energy weird suck. Ending. It's uh emotional suck. Good for them bouncing back in game four and leaving no questions. Yeah. But yeah, this is uh a two two series that's been a Boston blowout, basically. Like their their net rating in the series is seven point four. That's that feels low. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that feels low because look, they they won last night one oh two to eighty two. Uh they won game two. They were they were they won by twenty five points. Like and and when you're looking at like the adjustments in the series, I mean, Jimmy's got to play like a superstar. Um, if he's hampered, which by the way, I mean, Pritchard fully grabbed his leg. Mm-hmm. Like this is more of a leg grab than uh, than what Jordan Poole. When Jordan Poole ripped John Morant's knee right out of its kneecap. Yeah, no, come on, man. That 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 thing was a reach for the ball. It it, it hit. Jaws knee, whatever, right? No, a street fighter. I'm going to pull this guy's entire leg bone out through the kneecap. Finish him. Yeah. But no, but seriously, though, like, this was like an intentional grab by Peyton Pritchard. Like, I, I think it's he wanted to take the foul. There are, I mean, look, if you're on the ground and the only way for you to take a foul is to grab someone's leg, like, that, that is uh, whatever, right? You but shouldn't it, be fouling then. You're not in a position to take that foul. Yeah, like, that's a, that's a, that's a yellow card in soccer all day. Yeah. Um, so... It, the if other, Jimmy's not 100, percent then I, I don't I don't know what the other adjustments the Heat have because Kyle looks really limited, and I know some of a lot of it has to do with the hamstring. Like, there's no way that 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 thing obviously it's got them out for a, a significant period in the playoffs. He's coming back and all that stuff, but also it's like some of it. I'm like, it's 36 year old Kyle Lowry. Like, how much are you expecting him to create for you? And this is was always the question when the Heat built this, right? Yeah, is like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are guys who and PJ Tucker are guys who, yes, they've shown they know how to pace themselves to be more in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. All three of those guys are kind of the models of that. Lowry took a couple years to get there, but I'd say the last couple years, he figured it out. Yeah, And that's cool, but it doesn't change the fact that three of your most important players are 32, 35, and 36. And in Jimmy's case, that's 32 with a lot of tread worn off. Yeah. Like, those tires are close to bald. The, The Tom Thibodeau. Effect, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know some some knee stuff in the past. So if I'm Miami, you can look at this two ways, right? Mm-hmm. You can look at it as well. Even that game one that they won by 11 points, Boston was dominating them in the first half, and then it looked like Boston was a team coming off a seven game series where they ran out of gas on the road against a, a better rested team. Yeah, third quarter washed them. I think 39 to 14. Yeah. yeah. So. You could look at this as Miami and been like, well, we've been outplayed in pretty much every game because game three, we stuck away with it, mm-hmm. but we 
got like we stuck away with it, but we almost blew a, a massive, massive lead that would have been impossible to come back from. Um, so you could feel pretty badly about that. But also, this is kind of what you have to do in playoff series, right? Like yeah. they haven't played very well and they're two and two. And if it comes down to a game seven, I would bet the Heat tell you we trust Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker. And if he's healthy, Kyle, we trust those guys to figure out a game seven yeah. more than the Boston guys. And I don't like, I think Boston's a better team. Once they beat Milwaukee, I picked them to win the championship. Mm-hmm. I think they're a better team, but we're down to a three game series here. And we all know how funky stuff can get yeah. in a short window like that. Um, Miami also has home court from here. I don't know that that really does anything if you can't get your guys on the floor, but I don't know that Miami magic. Does that work in, in playoff series? Can you, can you spin that around quickly? Can Kyle's uh, can Kyle's quick thirty six holes today rejuvenate him for tomorrow? You, you never know what a round of golf could do for Kyle Lowry. Um, no, but seriously though, it, this, this reminds me a little bit of of Raptors uh, Celtics in the bubble. Um, I thought obviously the Celtics were they won the first two games pretty convincingly. Game three obviously came down to OG Anobi's buzzer beater, um, and then of course That's the Raptors right. were able to, to tie the series. And at that point, we we're like, okay, I'm feeling like pretty good about the fact that it's two two, even though Boston is sort of like. Uh, substantially sort of outplayed the Raptors on the balance of it. That's probably where the Heat are. And, uh, yeah, that speech, you know, Kyle could probably share that speech in the locker room. Although, to be fair, it, it hits different if if you're losing Game 7. Yeah, but. do you want to share a speech that you used in a losing series? Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Hey, I, I used this once before. I really liked it, but I'm, I'm going to run it back. I, I workshopped it a little bit. But, no, you're right. There are a lot of parallels in that series where mm-hmm. Boston looks like the better team. And that's how that series played out, too, was that – it was a 4-3 series win, and that game seven was really tight. But if you look at the stats, like, on balance for the whole series, like, yeah. Boston blew them out twice. Yeah. And all the Raptors' wins were tight. Now, this is where it gets tough because, like, over the course of a whole regular season, we say things like, well, clutch isn't really necessarily a thing. Like, good teams just tend to win more in close games, and there's a lot of noise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this Boston team has had a couple cracks at the playoffs now yeah. and have had a couple series like this where they're the better team and they either lose or, or they really struggle to win and get through. So combine that with Miami just having the the old guy juice that they always seem to have, I'm not writing them off. I'm also not betting on them at any point so <laughs> yeah fair enough um yeah i think i picked boston in six uh, okay. before the series and i think i'm going to stick with boston in six um that's really how it should go but you never know miami could still one more of these games and force a game seven all right the other series uh warriors mavericks so yeah the, the warriors up three and nothing in the series they won 109 to 100 in game three um is this the best we've seen from andrew wiggins he had 27 and 11 in game three, uh, postered Luca <laughs> erroneously called a f- uh, offensive foul by Mark Davis, had to make it about himself. Fortunately, Steve Kerr had a challenge and uh, was able to get that reverse. But uh, yeah, I mean, is this the best Wiggins we've seen? Probably. It, it's mostly just nice for him to have these kind of big, high leverage moments where people can kind of like league wide can kind of come to terms with the fact that no, Andrew Wiggins has not lived up to being a number one guy, Sure, but he has like, he is not by any stretch of the imagination, a bust in general. He's turned himself into a very good NBA player. Um, A guy with some two way capability, a guy who can really knock down threes, a guy who could do some secondary playmaking. Like he, he really has established himself. And again, this is not what you want with the number one pick and a max contract guy, but he's really established himself as like a really good number three. 
And yeah. I know that you can, you can argue, oh, Jordan Poole or Clay Thompson or whoever is the number three there. I'm just saying in general, if you were re-picking teams for the league and Andrew Wiggins was your third best player and you could get this version of Andrew Wiggins, you'd be really comfortable with that. A guy who could yeah. get you 20 semi-efficiently, make the right reads within the offense and attacking closeouts and stuff, and then play a little bit of defense. I, I do think his defense on Luca has maybe been a little overstated. Making a guy work hard to get 82 points over the last two games is still, uh, uh, it's still giving up 82 points. It's like it's the Andre Iguodala Finals MVP. Yeah, it's uh, we got the LeBron stopper. Hey, stop LeBron. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, listen. Um, there's not much you could do against Luca. We no. know this, right? Um, but I, I do like seeing Wiggins. Um, a got his shine. Um, because I think. For most of his career, he's had a negative reputation. Um, to be fair, no one's going to single-handedly fix Minnesota, and I don't think the expectations were supposed to be that. Obviously, being traded uh, by the team that drafts you first overall um, before you even play a game for that team is a very unique scenario. Clearly worked out for Cleveland. They got their championship. Kevin Love played a part in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he hasn't really had his moments, and so for him to come to the Warriors, for him to – Make even something like him making the All Star game as a starter. Like even he, he couldn't even feel like fully feel great about that because that was mostly like a K pop generated kind of thing. It was mostly the power of K pop fans, not necessarily Wiggins playing that great. He was playing really well, but no one thought at all that he was playing at an All Star starter level. For him to get into the playoffs now and have his moments, I, I'm really happy for him. I, I like seeing him super aggressive and using his athleticism, like. The way he's driving and, like, just, like, taking no prisoners, man. Like, it was like a play where Bullock tried to, like, step in for a charge. He just destroyed him. And, of course, he didn't make the play, but he was able to get to the free throw line. Uh, the way he obviously was able to poster Luka. I mean, the six offensive rebounds in a game. And that's great. And that's, really stuff nice that, to see. Yeah. that's the kind of stuff that I don't know if you're – if you're the number one pick and you get a max contract and you're forced over and over and over again to try to play that number one role, mm. I don't know if you get to do that kind of stuff because no, he's attacking, you're exhausted and he's you're, attacking yeah. those closeouts after a Steph Dre action over here or a Jordan Poole off ball action, right. you know, creates some inattention or, or creates a, an advantage for you to attack. And that's, I'm not saying he can't break his own guy down. He obviously can, he still has a little one-on-one -on -one game to him and, and the passings there and everything. You don't get 21 points a game in a playoff series by just, you know, finishing garbage or whatever. Right, right. But it does show that, like, hey, sometimes when we talk about guys' development and, and what the path to being a winning basketball player versus a high stats basketball player, and that's a transition I would say Wiggins has made over the last two, three years yeah. with Golden State. He's gone from being a guy who can get numbers to a guy who can help you win. Um, some of that is, hey, when you slide down the pecking order a little bit, you get to play with some advantages that you don't when you're the other team's number one focus. Yeah. And great, great on him for taking advantage of it. Yeah, I think exactly. And I think there's a humility involved in that too um, for him to sort of accept. I mean, look, listen, I mean, humility is also like, okay, that's Steph over there. That's Clay over yeah, there. He still gets this more shots than Clay. So you can't really complain too and, much. And that's hard to do because as soon as you pass to Clay, he's going to shoot that thing. Um, Clay struggled, but honestly, when Clay's. The, the thing with the Warriors is so deadly right now is um, it doesn't even necessarily matter if Clay's scoring, but when he does score, you're done. And that's uh, oh that broken play the other night oh, where Draymond man. sets the late flare screen for Clay and the pass kind of goes around the top. And it's like that's got to hurt you so badly as a defense because you stop the action like three times mm -hmm. yeah. and then late clock Draymond Clay and Steph just know how to find each other with yep. three four five left on the clock and boom it's three points and like it's not a it's not a great shot it's not a it's not a fully feet set shot it's it's a little too deep but it's just like yeah when those three guys are that smart and have played together that long. You have yeah. to defend, like, the defending 24 seconds thing is not a joke. Yeah. No, and 
not to make everything about the Raptors, but this is the Raptors show. Like, honestly, like when I'm watching the Warriors now and I'm just like, okay, first off, this is, they were already a dynasty, but the fact that, I mean, look, let's be real. They're going to make it to the finals once again. They will have made the finals every year out of the West when they have been healthy since 2015 is kind of nuts. Um, they have a chance to win their fourth title in eight years. Also kind of nuts. Um, and this is during a time where LeBron is, you know, uh, <laughs> potentially the greatest player of all time. You also had the Kawhi run. And, of course, the injuries played into that. But still, like, you know, the Raptors were the only team that sort of, like, uh, obviously, in addition to LeBron 2016, were against most of the Warriors' pieces, the mainstay pieces. Um, they were still able to do something. And it does make me feel like, in retrospect, I was like, I start to appreciate more and more that 2019 team in, in terms of how they would defend. Because, like, I mean... That's pre-injuries, Clay. That's Steph at his absolute peak. Draymond had like a... What do you have? Like, Did he have 30? What do you have? He, he had some like ridiculous scoring output in game six. He did, but I, I don't remember the exact number. But okay. it was also... That was also a case of, well, there's nobody left. There's, yeah, you're right. You're right. But like the, the, the attention and focus that you needed to do defensively as a team to sort of get that done. Like the, the Mavericks are a very good defense, um, but they just can't keep up with it. Like the fact that like... The Warriors coming into a possession, they don't even know what they're going to do. How are you supposed to defend that as yeah. a defense? Um, so, anyway, it makes me appreciate the uh, 2019 team um, even more than before. You know? I, I love the Warriors' approach, too, during this whole thing. It's just like, if you can't win, don't play. Like we're all, If we can't make the finals, we're not even bothering with the playoffs. <laughs> no, but listen, that, that was good. I think, honestly, them, them resting for a year, them using their cap space to to go out and get uh, D'Angelo Russell and then flipping that into Andrew Wiggins and a future pick. Like, that was a really smart move. Reloading with some young guys. It's probably good for the future more than it is right now. But they still have Kaminga. They still got, like, Moody. Moody's been able to play a couple of minutes in the playoffs, mostly because of injuries or whatever. You know, they're able to... They're going to have to pay Looney signings. now, or, or maybe they lose Looney because that's, that's what no, you, you do. No, you can't lose Looney, man. I mean, when, you make the, when you're a 10-year playoff core, like, you lose guys sometimes. Yeah. But, man, Looney has been ridiculously good. And the funny thing with Looney is, like, every time I look at Looney, because of the 2019, all I remember is Kawhi driving against him. And breaking his chest. He literally put a hole in this man's chest. He intubated and him. And he came back. On a drive. Yeah, and now he's back, and now he's rebounding, like... But he uh, came back in that series. Yeah, I don't know what... Or tried to, at least. I don't know if we'd say he was back, but... yeah. He's uh he's a tough kid. I I'm so I'm impressive. really glad to see him having this kind of success and mm. you know, I don't know if it's the best summer ever to be a free agent of his type cuz there're only a couple teams with more than the mid-level and yeah. they're not great situations necessarily. Um so maybe if you're the Warriors you end up being able to keep him. But you already got 171 million committed in salary next yeah. year to uh what do we got? Eight guys. It's a tough one. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, this is what happens. You make the you you make a deep run in the playoffs. You have you make all this extra money. You build a new stadium in San Francisco. It's a prime venue. You got all sorts of concerts lined up there, and you you also got I think what what they get like a two hundred million line of credit, something like that, maybe even more. Yeah. You know, what are they trying to rent a condo in Toronto? Buy a condo in Toronto? Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I think they'll be from, able to pay. Come on, Looney. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. From a pure running sports as a business scenario maybe looney and the the luxury tax payments and stuff are superfluous like that's where you've got to cut or trim or whatever but in pure basketball terms yeah, yeah you got to keep them I, I guess the pure basketball argument would be 
if you think Wiseman is ready to contribute next That's year, the thing, yeah. then well, you're already paying him almost ten million on his rookie scale next year. So maybe then that's where you're like, ooh, what do you do here? Yeah. Uh, the answer would be you shop Wiseman around to one of those teams that strikes out on free agents or yeah. needs a needs a young big to to try to shake something out of. That's the wild thing too. They really just have a number two overall pick just chilling there. Yeah. I mean, like obviously he's injured, but like they're making it this deep. I mean, like, they've even lost guys like Gary Gary Payton, who, you know, whatever. That's the minimum guy, obviously, was on the 905. And, you know, it's a really shrewd signing by the Warriors. Sort of reimagined him in a different role. He's really done well in that role. You lose him. And, by the way, he could be back for the finals. And he, he also like, played 18 minutes a game during the regular season. And, yeah. and, like, almost the entire regular season. This isn't – they were playing him in playoff games because – They've figured out how to do just enough with him offensively yeah. that it doesn't kill their spacing. And part of that is he's a really, really smart player. So, no, his he can knock down a corner three, but his spacing's not going to hurt you. He's never going to punish a team in that way. But he's a good cutter. Yeah. He's a good offensive rebounder. He's a good screener. He so might you, be the best role man for a guy who's right. only six feet tall, man. Right. And, and like, yeah. we saw, like, a, a lesser version of this with the Raptors where they used Rondé in a bunch of creative sure, yeah, different yeah, ways because, yeah. or they had Pat McCaw be a point guard because, look, you just can't have a guy like that mm -hmm. standing and killing your spacing. But the other things to do are, like, you know, be a distraction or take advantage right. of little gaps with cutting and offensive rebounding and, and those kind of improvised screens that the Warriors thrive off of. And he's good at that, at least enough to, to keep him on the court. And, I don't know. The Celtics will obviously ignore him in a playoff series, but that's probably the guy you want guarding Marcus Smart. Yeah. Or even just getting up or, under guys. Like, yeah. even like a Jalen Brown. Like, you could I know Jalen Brown could shoot him over the top, but we've seen in this series, like, Victor Oladipo Gary just Payton crowds played him. some center for the 905. Like, All right. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to do that, but yeah. you can certainly put him on a guy like Jalen Brown for a few minutes here and there. Hey, quickly before we go to break, how stacked was that? Was was that was that uh, G League bubble Raptors nine hundred five team? In retrospect, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, damn, they had a lot of guys who were either former, like like for example, Gary Payton, like he was a former pick. He he was picked and uh, you know and, and didn't fully make it at the first time around, but went to the G League. You know, he was able to rehab himself. Nick Stauskas was on that team. Henry Ellenson was on that team. Alizé Johnson. Alizé Johnson was on the, the team for a little bit. Malachi was on that team. Jalen Harris is on that team. I was like, damn, that team, like for a G League team? Yep. That's really good. So Pretty good. Matt Mooney even, who's had a cup of coffee on a two-way with Cleveland. Okay, yeah. They've got, they had, they had guys. I'm, if you're telling me a, a rotation of players on a on one G League team were all able to make cameos in the NBA, that is a really, really good G League team. Yeah. So good job to uh, Chad Sanders for building that one. Yeah, that was the one he. They finally got an exec of the year. It's the infinite years of making the playoffs. They haven't. They haven't missed the playoffs since their inaugural season, where they barely missed the playoffs, mm. and they had to fight and claw to get an executive of the year. Poor, okay. poor Dan Tolzman. Wow. Wow. All right. This is the this is the spot where we got to take a break, regroup, come back with some new topics because uh, I don't know, man. I, as much as you know, we we would love to shout out these front office guys. I think you probably want to hear about uh, K on the basketball and, and, and I guess even Jalen Harris. So uh, we're going to take a break. I'm your host, William Wu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blake, 
Murphy on this uh, gorgeous Tuesday in Toronto where I am once again planning to play soccer and basketball in one day. That's right. Trying to hold on to the last vestige of my 20s and uh, also enjoy the fact that it is not quite off-season yet, but it's pretty much off-season for me. Although, you know, doing this show with you is still a tremendous pleasure. Like, What uh, is your off-season going to look like? Do you know yet? Uh, Yeah, I do. It's going to look like uh, the show is going to go off the air um after free agency essentially um might do a few more pods obviously say, we gotta league. do we gotta do summer league react pods all right, right yeah you know what i'm a sicko and i will do Pen- the summer league be react in for pods. those right now you know i'm gonna yeah. be watching those games all right man this might be the first one i'm not at in person in a really long time yeah that's the thing actually so i've always wanted to get out to vegas it just still hasn't really fully happened for me yet from what i understand going to vegas the benefit of it as media is essentially like it's like a networking conference in a way. Like, you're not really there for the games. You're not really there to see the athletes of tomorrow or whatever. Like, you're there because you might run into, you know, Bobby Webster in the hallway. Yeah, I mean, I always have my little scouting notebook at the end. that You know, I take yeah, notes on the okay. Canadian guys and the Raptors guys sure, and, yeah. and anyone else who pops or whatever. You might come out of there with a couple guys that you like. Like, I remember you know, almost immediately being pretty enamored with Fred Van Vliet, who was like on my undrafted free agents target list. But then like right away, it's like, oh yeah, this this translates at least to this environment. Or, right, right, right. you know, some, I think Alfonso McKinney was a guy one year that popped and then the next year was like, oh, he's getting cut for sure. Oh man. Um, he yeah. shot like 0 of 16 or something like that in summer league. So yeah, there's, it's it's a lot of networking. It's a, and, and I would say the networking extends to, this wouldn't be considered networking, but you're at least pre-pandemic, your access is better than you would normally get because there's, oh, not, yeah. there's not a lot of media there. There's especially not a lot of team media there. So you get to know the players a little bit more, some of the coaches or assistants who are stepping up on the bench and things right, like right. that. And so I think it just gives you, speaking only for me, having gone over the years, you, I have gotten a better sense of what makes the Raptors player development system tick and why it's been a success because you see some of the subtler things, some of the soft skill things that are going on Mm. that it's not just, Hey, they run the best drills in practice. Like there's more to it than that. There's a more holistic approach. I think being around it in summer league is not the only part of it, but it's kind of the marquee part of it. They got to make decisions on contracts after, you know, some guys are going to get cut. Some guys are going to get exhibit tens coming out of that. Um, It's cool. It's, it's cool to see how the players operate in a high leverage spot like that. And, And it's the, the closest you're going to get to seeing how the off season really functions day to day. That's true. Okay. That's a good, uh, it's worth it. If uh, I'm trying to go out there, it's just timing usually hasn't worked out, but yeah. where's, where's our boss. I'll tell him right now. He's got to send, he's got to send you and Alex and a YouTube crew down for, for I, listen, extra I'm, content. I'm down. I'm down. I don't know if Alex is down to do more work, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure he can be talked into it for the right price. All right. Uh, anyway, um, Second segment. So, uh, look, uh, some some kind of basketball news. Some pretty substantial news, actually. So, um, as as you have just shared, not just you, obviously this is a press, you know, but you know, you shared this as well. Canada basketball announces fourteen player core for this summer through to the twenty twenty four Paris Olympics. Uh, each player has agreed to a three year commitment. The list is as follows: Nikhil Alexander Walker, R. J. Barrett, Kem Birch, O'Shea Brissett, Dylan Brooks. Lugan Stort, Zach Eady, Melvin Edgem, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Corey Joseph, Jamal Murray, Kelly Olenek, Kevin Pangos, and Dwight Powell. A very, very recognizable list. A lot of players on this list, by the way, who have shown up year after year without as much fanfare as the other guys who have yet to fully show up but are on this list. 
uh, objectively a, a very impressive squad. Um, and uh, yeah, so Blake, can you just walk us through the significance of, of what this means? So coming out of their last um, Olympic cycle, obviously that was disappointing, right? They don't make the qualifiers um, out of the, the Victoria tournament. Right. And some no of that, fans in the building. No it was supposed to be a much bigger deal. Yeah. And yeah. like it costs money to host that stuff. That was yep. supposed to be a big moment for Canadian basketball and none of it goes the way you expect. And so part of the frustration there, and I'm sure anyone who watched would agree, is that every time you turn on Canada basketball, the roster looks different. Yep. And that's okay if you have a pool of talent at the very high end as deep as the United States, where sure. yeah. you can go 35, 40 deep. Now, Canada can do that to qualify for these tournaments, to mm -hmm. qualify for the Americas, to qualify for the World Cup. There is a monstrous depth of talent that, participates in the in-season qualifiers. Yep. They're 4-0 right now in those in-season qualifiers. Yep. Um, there are guys through U-Sports, through Euro Cup, Euro League, um, even places like the CBL and G League where you have to appreciate the commitment from those guys. You have to appreciate the depth of the system. Mm -hmm. But yep. at the highest level internationally, you have two options. You can be as deep as the United States or you can really lean on the consistency of the program and the camaraderie that guys built it and that on and off court chemistry that allows you to have a really quick training camp where you're ready to play because you don't need that ramp up period. And I thought, I thought that's, that was a big part of what got them in Victoria was right. they didn't even play tune up games. They yeah. played a tune-up game against, like, a team of, like, U19 and, and like, Canada B-level players. and, yeah, and those, those are pandemic challenges. Too, yes, yeah. exactly. But other teams did work in some exhibition games, and other teams have a lot more experience playing together. Yeah. So the idea here is we're not going to match the U.S. for depth of talent, no matter how good Canada is at producing NBA talent. When you factor in things like rookies, it's hard for them to get permission. And, and if you're a free agent, it's hard to get insurance. And yep. if you're coming off an injury, your team might just be, like, no, we're not. Yep. You're not going to the U.S. Virgin Islands to qualify for a FIBA Americas tournament a year from now. July 4th, baby. So what Canada basketball is leaning on here yep. is let's get – so there's two cores. There's the winter core, mm -hmm. which is – hey, you have to be honest. NBA players aren't going to get let go. No, no, Euro no, no, League no. players aren't even going to get let go. So you have to have your core of maybe 30 to 35 guys – that are those are your scrub brothers those are your kyle wilcher those are your trey bell haynes uh, like those yep. guys make up the core and you're going to be pulling from that same pool of guys for those qualifiers um to keep yourself in, in good shape for those games and then at the higher level events um i would imagine the fiba americas is the start of this in september but i doubt you get full participation i i would imagine the fiba americas tournament because it's not a very um important tournament on the FIBA calendar. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do a lot in terms of like your ability to qualify for the next sessions and right. stuff like that. Um, it's just kind of a cool standalone tournament. I would imagine it's a bit of a mix of the two cores, the winter core and the summer core. Um, the bigger thing here though, is if you're not available to play in one of these events over the next three years, the expectation with these 14 is you are at training camp at least yeah. before those teams head out on the road. You're there. You're a part of the film sessions. You're a part of the strategy sessions. You're a part of getting to know your teammates and bringing a young guy like Zach Eady along, bringing a young guy like, you know, RJ Barrett, not that he really needs to be brought along at the international level, but I think you're hoping he can, you know, Wiggins isn't on this list. You're kind of hoping RJ can be one of your top scorers in these events. So yep, yep. that year over year, even if you're not playing, you're in training camp. Um, if you're healthy at all and available, you're, you're playing. And hey, look, there are going to be questions still if come World Cup time, Andrew Wiggins knocks on the door and says, I would like to play. And last time I played, I was your best player. Yeah. 
that's going to be... Yeah, uh, probably let him on the team still, I mean. But the idea is yeah. that these 14 make up the summer core, and they have kind of first dibs at those roster mm -hmm. spots. As yeah. long as things are going well, as long as they're available, as long as they all keep developing, and the hope would be that come 2023, come 2024, these guys have all played together enough in the same system, with the same schemes, with the same coaching, that you don't have to have a four-week training camp to get ready to play in a World Cup oh, or yeah. to qualify for the Olympics. Um, I think it's great. I think it's awesome that these 14 guys committed. I wouldn't be surprised if these 14 guys committing leads to a little bit more of, you know, guys knocking back on the door and be like, hey, can I be a part of this? Like, I, sure, I didn't yeah. expect the list to be like this. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, sorry, to round back to what I was talking about in Vegas after – the last disappointment, this was the idea. There was a mm -hmm. Canada basketball kind of symposium in Vegas after that tournament because the Raptors were there and a bunch of other guys were there. And I only really knew this because Zach Eady was on my flight back and he was like jammed into a regular person seat. That's hilarious. Even bro. though he's Zach seven Eady's foot like... three or seven foot five or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although he's listed at seven foot three and Wemby looks way bigger than him, but he also looks way bigger than every, like Zach Eady also looks way bigger than every seven footer. Yeah. So maybe Wemby's just like eight feet tall. I'm not sure. So, the okay, so idea, he's already though, tanking right now for yeah, him. Yeah. The idea was, hey, we need to have the, more of this consistency because we're not going to be able to get NBA commitment for 100 exhibition games every summer. Yeah, of course. And we're not going to be able to, you know, the pool isn't 30 Olympic caliber players deep. It's maybe 20 Olympic caliber players deep. And then 20 to 30 guys, you're okay with America's competition. And that's great. You just need to have the same guys coming out over and over. I, I know I've been long-winded, but no, it's, no, this uh, is great. it's a tough thing to navigate when you've had the talent for multiple Olympic cycles and haven't gotten the Olympics in over 20 years. Yeah, and listen, the frustration is always there. I think the, the key things to note is the, the, the World Cup in 2023, um, that's where seven of uh, the 12 um, qualification spots for uh, Paris 2024 will be decided the top two teams from the Americas will will make it. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of competition there, but mm -hmm. assuming Canada gets to the World Cup, which I think they will, um, because of the, the depth in the roster, like, you know, this is where you're really going to look for that. And, I mean, damn, you get these guys coming in together. Like, I know this is always the dream, right? And, and you, you look at this list, it's gotten to the point where the, the, the talent in Canada is deep enough where you're – you could put together 12 NBA guys if you want to and still leave out tons of NBA guys. Like, even just off the top of my head, you're looking at this list, you're like, okay, Wiggins is not there. Chris Boucher is not there. Brandon, Brandon Clark. Clark. Brandon Clark's not there. Tristan Thompson is not there. You look at an incoming, you know, rookie class. Like, a Shaden Sharp's not in there. Like, a, a Ben Matherin is not in there. Like, it's like, wow, okay. So you're looking at a lot of talent that's already not even going to be able to make 12, assuming all 12 even want to come. But, like... And that's the thing. And, and those damn good, man. We're in a good position. I know, like, the frustration... The, 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 I know, like, the reputation of Canada basketball is sort of just like the, well, you know, almost, but not really. Almost, but not really. Like, I'm telling you, the, the day is going to come. And that's why the, we can flip. sit here and and spend a lot of lip service on, like, why is this a big deal? Why is this commitment a thing? And it's because there is this huge gap right now between the amount of talent that Canada has been able to develop and produce mm -hmm. in basketball and the amount of success they've had at the international level. Yeah, And it's... It's hard not to look at what the soccer programs have done. Sure, yeah. And say, why not? Like, it, it's not that... It's hard, 
But it's not impossible to have a growing talent base, a growing fan base, a growing participation base in the mm -hmm. country and want international success to go along with that. Yeah. Obviously, the Canadian men's team just got to the stage of qualifying for the World Cup, yeah. but that's a huge step. And, and huge, our, yeah. our women's program is one of the elite programs in the entire world. Yep. Um, you can look even to the women's program in basketball as well, yep. where they've they haven't been quite as good the last maybe half Olympic cycle, yeah. but that's a program that has been way ahead of the men in terms of turning the talent development into international success. So that's why these questions of how do you bridge that gap are so important. Mm -hmm. And we thought maybe it was Nick Nurse and the excitement around Canada basketball, and then it came up short and the pandemic hit. And, like, you can't use the pandemic as an also, excuse, but like, it's a real factor. They also lost the most random game to Czech Republic, man. They shouldn't have been down 10 points in the fourth quarter to begin with, though. Yes, but then Wiggins leads an incredible comeback, yeah. and then uh, Tomas Sadaransky hits, like, the most ridiculous game winner over uh, over Lou Dort, who you would pick yeah. to guard anybody. <laughs> and that guy hit all the threes. Yeah. Blake something or other. Yeah. And there was also the the center, the the the, the Czech center who had 19 rebounds. And I think Dwight Powell was in injury, was in Blake foul trouble. Schlib. That's, That's chill. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um man, that was that, that was a tough tournament. I mean it just it was just because it was looking really good. I thought they had once they beat Greece, I was like, okay, I think they they got this from here. But in any case, no one wants to hear this recap. Um, the, the talent is good. The talent is really good. I'm really excited to see them on the big stage. I'm really happy that the, the program has gotten to the point where they have a very established coach in Nick Nurse. There's the culture here. There's the backing. There's the resources. There's sponsorships. It's gonna be a tele. It's gonna be televised. It's not gonna be on the zone anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like. Oh yeah, sports yeah. nights your home for everything Canada basketball no, through the 2024 Olympics. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is this sounds like us being company men, but that's a big deal, man. It is a How huge many deal. people are watching the zone for like the game, man? I'm sorry, like you got to be a real diehard like yeah, soccer and, fan and to have the zone. CBC in the first stepped place. up and streamed some of those games sure, as well, but, like, but yeah, yeah. So um, for anyone who's unaware of what the where Canada is, kind of big picture in the qualifying procedure. So right now they are in the process of trying to qualify for the 2023 World Cup. Um, they're four and zero. Oh, in the first stage of that qualification. They've got mm -hmm. July 1st in Hamilton, the host of Dominican Republic, which is a lot of fun. And then July 4th, they'll travel to play the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, Canada has already clinched, moving on to the second round, which is the usual, hey, two groups merge your records and plus minus carry over, and you play a couple more games. Weirdly, so they are in the process of qualifying for the 2023 World Cup through this process that will run into early 2023. They are also playing the 2022 FIBA America Cup this summer yeah, in confusing. September, which doesn't count toward World Cup qualification. You would think, oh, you qualify for the Americas, then the Americas feeds the World Cup, the World Cup feeds, feeds the Olympics. That would make sense to me, but you have yeah. these kind of simultaneous qualifiers running. But then you lose to Venezuela. <laughs> yes. So uh, Canada has yeah. two games in early July, including one in Hamilton, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then they'll play in a tournament in early September uh, in, I believe, the Americas tournaments in Brazil. Yeah. Well, in any case, though, this is exciting news. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see um, the talent sort of show out. And even just as a leadership of the program, you're looking at a lot of top stars in the league who have decided that they want to commit their time to this. And uh, yeah, that's a great, great feeling. And here's the other aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Since this is a rapid show. Okay. Boy, is that a list of players you might want to tamper with. Oh, come on. I'm so happy you said that. Yeah. So you're telling me Nick Nurse is going to be in a room alone with all these guys who, uh, We'll get to see what it's like to be coached by a championship coach. You know, he's going to be like, hey, we're going to play boxing one. And they'll be like, wow. You know the 4D chess Nick Nurse is playing with this Canada basketball stuff that not only, you know, he gets a Shea Gilgis-Alexander and R.J. Barrett and Dylan Brooks and guys like that on this team. Mm. But you read the 
the big Pascal Siakam profile. He's out in Kitchener regularly. He's out in the region with me. That's a Jamal Murray play if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Man, this salute, is, salute to Nick Nurse. There's levels to this. Underappreciated. Come on the show, Nick Nurse. Come, come, come. Come switch. tamper with us. Yes, tamper on the uh, the nation's largest uh, Raptors show. All right, um, a, a few quick items before we go. Um, Jalen Harris. Yeah. Signing with the CBL. Scarborough Shooting Stars. Yes. Exciting. So very exciting. Um, so obviously there was a you know Raptors fans noticed that he was back in Toronto recently it was easy yeah it was hard to miss when he posted the cn tower yeah, yeah. anyway keep going so he's in a bit of a weird gray area in terms of the raptors mm-hmm. because his one year um disqualification from the nba hasn't expired yet the raptors would hold rights on him if he were to be reinstated by the nba but he's not even eligible to apply for reinstatement yet so the hope is of course he played the better part of a season in italy hopefully whatever issues he was working through before yep. he's at a place where the league would feel comfortable readmitting him and getting him into you know there he would always be part of their joint drug program and stuff like that and then if the raptors wanted they would have rights on him whether they wanted to try to exhibit 10 him for the g league and bring him along or two-way him or whatever yeah. um they would have kind of they'd still have his rfa two-way rights um but that's a few steps away in the process mostly it's just good to see that hey, he's still playing. He's still healthy. Um, You know, Brady Heslip is the general manager of that team. I'm sure they had some good conversations about where he's at basketball-wise and where Mm -hmm. he's at in terms of readiness. Obviously, that Scarborough team also has the the OVO boost, the J. Cole boost. Yeah. J. Cole, not a part of media day, though. Already already shirking your responsibilities. I I hit up the Scarborough media relations rep. I was like, if I come out there for media day, I better get J. Cole one-on-one. Do you think he's going to be doing a little videos of like, you know, Faisal's going to make him draw (laughs) the Raptors logo? Like, get out of here. He's not doing that. Yeah. It's good that he's playing, though. Can you draw a map from Scarborough to Toronto? Uh... (laughs) Yeah, map. Tell me the bus route right now, man. Um, No, seriously. Um. It's great to see, and we'll get a closer look in terms of just, like, how he looks and in terms of the competition, all that stuff, obviously, mm-hmm. in the meantime. Um, some other Raptors news. Fred missed out on all-defensive team. He he is on the NBA all-defense third team, which I actually yeah. do think they should make. Why not? What would be the downside for the third team? No, I like, the, I like um, what No Dunks do where, uh, like, Skeets always references, like, his all-NBA, like, 14th team. No, I, I, look. I'm just saying, if you're going to go all, all NBA, there's three teams. That's an arbitrary number that there's three teams. Mm-hmm. Why not three teams for, for, for you know, for defense as well? Anyway, so Fred had uh, 41 votes, um, 41 points. Uh, he had two first votes, and he also had uh, 37 second-place nods. Uh, Scotty got two second-place votes, which um, <laughs> I got to question that one a little bit. OG got one. That's not a surprise. The OG is a very good defender. Um, my only question is, Matisse Thibel? Look, there was the Matisse Thibel question up against OG Ananobi two years ago, which is, hey, he doesn't play a ton of minutes. Where's the cutoff? And I he kept, can't play a lot of minutes. And I kept You'll see, lose. I kept seeing people be like, well, OG missed 20 games. It's like, yeah, but OG plays 15 more minutes a game when he plays. So yeah. they have the same total of minutes played. It's the same with Fred missing time. It's like when Fred plays, he plays 40 minutes a game. So this is where you get into the question of quality of defender versus defensive impact. Mm. And... I don't think you can make the case that you have an all-defense defensive impact if you can't be on the floor. Yeah. 
he defends both teams, though, Blake. Yeah. It's like, look, there's there's never been a yeah. bigger Andre Roberson fan than me. This is but, Andre Roberson. But man. you can't have the biggest impact defensively if you can only play 16 to 18 minutes a game. Yeah. Like, you're a relief pitcher. Yeah, I'm, I'm salty about this one. Cause especially because in the playoffs, too. Like, Doc essentially just, like, we're like, oh, so you can't play in Canada? You're just not going to play in general. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. And... I don't know, man. Like, I'm sure his confidence was shaken. I'm sure he was rusty. All, blah, 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 all this other stuff. It, it wasn't like he was making a huge defensive impact in the playoffs. Any point. In, in any case, though, that's the only one I was a little questioned about. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to make an all-defense team. Um, but uh, and look, it, it's good to see that he has this much recognition, though. Mea culpa on my part because I did tweet out in response to someone that, like, this is kind of what it is. When you're not an elite defense, it's hard and credit yeah. is split across guys. It's hard to get that vote because you get votes splitting and your defense has to live up to a certain level. And then there were a couple of people that pointed out examples like, well, the bubble Raptors were the number two defense and yeah, I know. didn't people get anyone on. Or like Celtics get six different guys with votes. And it's like, you know what? Let me rephrase that. It's understandable if you're not in a glamour market mm. that uh, I and, you know, I don't play into the Raptors bias stuff often. Mm. It's just welcome. Welcome. All defense is probably the hardest one to be like, how much of these guys have I actually watched that closely off the ball? Like defense is such a, you're, it's the things that don't happen anyway yeah. that then you factor in how many games can you possibly watch as a, as a top 100 media guy uh, or girl um, with a vote. It's uh it's tough. It's understandable, but nah, he's on the radar though. That's actually, that's interesting to me. He's on the radar, which uh Yeah. You know, hopefully with a fully healthy season, if the Raptors are top five in defense, Fred could maybe make the list. I don't think, by the way, that uh, a guy like Matisse is going to make it next year. So maybe that spot opens up, but you never know. Maybe are, it's just all the Celtics next year, though. Well, I mean, all the media is basically from Boston or New England, so that wouldn't make sense. Anyway, that does it for us today. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on uh Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. Thanks again to my guest, Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Brandale, Jennifer Olnick, for helping us with the YouTube stream. I'll talk to you tomorrow.